You know, we're in a new month, and the theme for the month, and I'm not making this up, the theme for the month is divine discomfort. And just like, ooh, could you just feel the energy of that? It's like, ooh, you know, <laughs> divine discomfort. Oh, this is where it's going to hurt, right? <sighs> are we ready to dive into that? I mean, are we really ready to dive into that? And my answer is yes. Yes, we are, because remember, last month was the grand rising. Last month, January, we, we, just, we all said, yep, we're taking this to a higher level. We are participating in the grand rising that started last month. We are stronger, we are smarter, we are more loving, we are more compassionate than ever because we have said yes to that grand rising. So are we ready to dive into divine discomfort? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's dive into it and, and receive the gifts it has to give us. Because no... Uh, discomfort arrives at our door without a gift in its hand. There's always something, because God's right there too, right? Spirit is right there, regardless of what's happening. Divine discomfort implies an uncomfortable gap between where we are and where we, have, where we know we have the power to become, right? That, that gap in between the two, where we presently are and where we where we know, we know, with spirit, we have the power to become. Ernest Holmes said this, he said, there is an inner urge in our own minds to grow, to expand, to break down the barriers of previous limitations and to ever widen our experience. This persistent urge is a divine influence, an irresistible force, and constitutes the greatest impulse in the human experience. Mostly misinterpreted and misunderstood and often pursuing devious pathways, it is still the urge back of all accomplishment and the promise of fulfillment. So since we are beings of free will, we can pursue whatever we choose to for good or bad, right? But that urge for us to demonstrate, that urge for us to create, we can create a mess, we can create a masterpiece, right? That's the free will part. We remember we are spirit, soul, body. That's the whole teaching symbol, right? God is spirit, soul, body. We are spirit, soul, body. We are, we are the, the outpicturing in the physical of this spiritual truth. And spirit, soul, body works in harmony, mostly. Right, mostly. And each aspect of us working in harmony most of the time. But sometimes we're at odds with ourselves. Spirit is never at odds with itself. Spirit always knows truth. That's the only thing it knows is truth. Spirit has no problems. Spirit knows no conflict. Spirit has no doubts. Spirit in us is the very same. God in us is that very same, right? It knows no conflict. It knows no doubt. It knows no fear. That is that seed of perfection that Walt Whitman talked about that is nestled within us. Ah, oh, that is just perfect and divine and whole and complete. And that's what we talk about, right? When we say we are whole, perfect, and complete, we're referring to that, that spirit within us. We are also soul, spirit, soul, body. These are all aspects of God but soul is that individualized expression of God. That's the unis of you. 
the meanness of me, the pattiness of patty, right? Is <laughs> my soul, my soul, and it's here to expand and express and grow and, and experience. Our soul seeks expression. It's the reason why we came into form to begin with, isn't it? For experience, all of it, the highs and the lows and everything in between. Your soul wants to experience all of it between birth and death, right? Whatever it is, roller coaster ride. You know, some of us are like white knuckling through life, and others are, you know, like which one are you, right? Sometimes you're both, you know, sometimes you're this, sometimes you're that. The soul wants that experience, all of it, the highs and lows and everything in between. And the, the soul is the universal subjective of the universe. In, within us, it is the subjective in the individual as well. It, it just goes to work at picturing all of these experiences for us based on what? Our own personal, uh, uh, most predominant thoughts that tend to outpicture, right? Doesn't question, it just goes to work out picturing these things that we can then experience and go, yay, no, <laughs> you know, and everything in between. And then there's body, spirit's whole body. Body, the vehicle we inhabit while we're here for whatever time, right? Think like, oh, maybe 100 years. Yeah, that sounds good, you know? Body is the thing that we cart around with us. It's the vehicle that we inhabit. Now, it's also spirit, isn't it? Right? Because spirit is. Spirit's all body. It's all, spirit is all of it. So every cell, every molecule of your physical being, that's spirit too. Right? Every electron that's just buzzing around inside of us in, in, in uh, space and time, that's God too. Right? Every molecule, everything that goes on in your body, your whole entire physical body is just potential. That's God too. We're only one thing. We're only spirit. That's it. We are only spirit. Spirits having an adventure in form as us. Are you giving God a good time? That's the question, right? That's what we're here to do, I believe, you know. But <laughs> mind, heart, body. We think thoughts. We feel feelings. Our body acts out on those things. Or those things act out on our body. Or both, right? We make meaning out of the thoughts we think and out of the feelings we feel. And then we make decisions based on the meanings that we give to those things. And in our subjective, again, the soul, right, begins to outpicture based on those thoughts backed by those feelings. And that's what limits us, isn't it? Right? Or I should say that's how we limit ourselves. That's how we limit ourselves with our own thoughts and feelings, the conclusions we draw based on our own thoughts and feelings, the, belief we, the beliefs we hold, the limited ideas we have. We limit ourselves. Ernest Holmes in Thoughts Are Things said, there is nothing in the universe that limits us or that would or could desire to limit us. There is nothing in the universe that withholds from you because in doing so, it would be withholding from itself, right? When we, when we go back to God is all there is, that would mean God withholding from God. It cannot withhold from itself. He goes on to say, you are some part of its purpose. Spirit seeks, urges, pushes against you to fulfill itself, 
No matter how abundantly the horn of plenty may pour out its universal gifts, there must be a bowl of acceptance, a chalice of expectancy, or the gift cannot be complete. We have to say yes. That's what he's saying. We have to say yes. Please. Yes, please. <laughs> we have to accept. The gift is forever being poured out to us. And we're so busy looking down, trying to pay the rent or trying to, you know, do things we don't see that the gift has already been given. We are here to grow our whole lives. We're growing our whole lives, or we should be growing and reading and thinking and reanalyzing and expressing. We are here to grow. We're here to express. We're here to do all good things with a happy heart and a childlike sense of wonder. Childlike sense of wonder. And it's all here for us to experience. The gift has already been given, right? That's the whole, the whole biblical story about the garden. I mean, everything has been provided. We never left the garden. That's just our thoughts, right? It is all here to experience. And we are here to pick and choose from among those experiences what we'd like to manifest. Isn't that good? Doesn't that sound lovely? Yes. Doesn't that sound lovely? <laughs> Oh my God, so, so why, why, why on earth is this talk called the owl in growth? Why is this talk called the owl in growth? Well, Ernest Holmes said, spirit pushes, urges, seeks, uh, uh, you know, pushes against you to fulfill itself, right? I just read that in the quote. When we are outgrowing our current situation, we get those feelings, don't we? We get the owl. We get the... The divine urge to move us forward, to grow us, to become more of what spirit knows us to be in form, knows us to be. And that can get uncomfortable, can't it? That gets uncomfortable. We, we get those little urges. We get those little nudges. Do you get nudged by spirit? Do you get that, right? And sometimes that little, little tap, it's a little tap, little toothpick, you know, little toothpick tap. Hey, hey, you're trying to get your attention here, right? And we ignore it. Yeah, the toothpick gets bigger. Then it becomes a broomstick. <laughs> top, 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 top. You know, really getting our attention. And we go, no, not now. I'm busy being safe. Right? <laughs> I'm busy, you know, getting my life just the way I want it. Tap, tap, tap. Then it, then it gets bigger still. Then the broomstick becomes a two by four. And then you pay attention. <laughs> right? Because you get fired. Or, you, or, your, or your significant other leaves. Or... Your, your house gets foreclosed on, whatever. Whatever you're ignoring becomes a two-by-four, and you can no longer ignore it, and it hits you upside the head, and you're like, yeah, ignore that, <laughs> you know? Life gets uncomfortable because we're here to grow. We're not here to status quo. Aeneas Nin said, the day came when the risk to remain tight in a bud was more painful than the risk it took to blossom. And that's where we get when we get to that point. We are here to become. We are here to blossom. I want to use everything. I want to use every talent I have, every, every gift I've been given to live freely and fully and filled and expressing our authentic selves out into the world. Isn't that why you're here? You're here to show everybody your bold, amazing, unique, perfect, glowing gem of a body that you are and a soul and a mind you're here to sparkle and shine and give all your gifts away and, and experience everything you want to experience and do it all. Just do it all. What holds us back? 
We do. I know, doesn't that sound so ironic? We do. Our old thoughts, thoughts we grew up with, our old beliefs, our old fears, our own agendas, our own limits. They're ours. We own those. Those are the things we have to look at. That's why we go to classes, like foundations class. Who went to foundations class, right? You learned, you learned, didn't you? When you looked at, you looked at, at some, of the, some of the things that you thought that you never questioned before and went, oh, where did that come from? That's not mine. That's, oh my God, that's my grandfather's, you know, or whatever, right? We, we look, we analyze at that stuff. We are here to become. Think of all the things that happened to you growing up. Think of all the things you experienced growing up. And we drew conclusions from those things, didn't we? We, drew, we all drew conclusions from those things that happened to us as children and, and adolescents and teens. We made decisions. Life is not safe, or people will screw you, or, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that, but anyway. Um, but stuff like that, right? You make decisions based on experiences you have. Do this, don't do that, stay safe, protect yourself from hurt. Or what? You'll get ridiculed, you'll get ostracized, you'll get shunned, you'll get kicked out of the human party. So we start protecting ourselves, we start censoring ourselves, we start limiting ourselves. We limit our own options to fit in. Who wants to fit in? Anybody want to fit in? Do we have anybody that wants to fit in? Nah, we want to stand out. Do we want to stand out, right? Don't fit in. We weren't born to fit in. We were born to stand out, being our authentic selves. But we wind up limiting that. We wind up closing it down and, and closing it off to be acceptable, right? We limit our options by doing this as well. Mm. We have our own thoughts about what we think is true about life based on all of those old experiences that we had. We draw conclusions from them, and those conclusions can limit us in the present, right? There's only God's good here. We're still, in the, we're still in the garden. There is only God's good here, and we're here to experience it. We must accept it. We have to say yes. We have to experience it. We have to say more please and, and believe that. And question the false beliefs of limitation and lack. Question the false beliefs of what your parents taught you. And, you know, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, which is a disgusting saying, by the way. Did you ever think about that? That's a horrible saying. Uh, or, you know, the money doesn't grow on trees. How many of us heard that when we were little? Money doesn't grow on trees. You know, I just love it. You know, <laughs> that story about uh, Ernest Holmes, uh, his, uh, the gentleman that, that uh, he gave the church to, Founders Church, was uh, uh, Hornaday, Bill Hornaday, and he uh, said his wife, whenever money was getting tight around the house, she would walk outside in, in the backyard with, an, with a, an imaginary bushel basket, and she would walk around the backyard and she would pick the money off the trees, the imaginary money off the imaginary trees in the backyard, and she would fill up the imaginary bushel basket and she'd bring it back in the house and she'd dump it on the bed, and then she'd jump on the bed and she'd roll around in it. And... <laughs> I swear to you. And you know, and, and she said that, well, Bill Hornaday said, you know, every time she did that, we'd always get unexpected checks in the mail. So I just said, keep doing it, you know, just keep doing it. And she did. And then when they moved and they got a, another house that was closer to Ernest Holmes, he asked the realtor, whatever you do, please just get a really, really a, a backyard with a really high fence, because I don't want anybody seeing her out in the back. Doing that, right? 
But it worked. It worked, right? She was expanding, expanding what was what was possible. These were her, these were her opinions, these were her beliefs, her thoughts about what was true about life. And that's what demonstrated. So we make these decisions ourselves. But God's good is here all the time. It is up for us to accept it. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, um, and this is in the textbook, spiritual substance is all around us, like those imaginary, you know, dollars off the trees. It is all around us waiting to be formed. Thus we see what Jesus meant when he said, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given to you. This law must work in compliance with our demand. The divine urge within us is God's way of letting us know that we must push forward and take that which is awaiting our demand. It is all here. The gift has already been given. And, and we're too shy or too scared or too polite. <laughs> right? Who, who heard that when they were little? Don't, don't take. Wait until it's offered. Right? Wait until it's offered. You got your hand smacked when you were reaching for the candy ball. Wait until you're off, and it's like, no, you have to ask. You must ask. See, these are the experiences we have. These are, these are those experiences that we have that, that cause us to decide to protect ourselves, right? You got your hand smacked when you were little. You don't do that again. You never just reached for the candy in the candy bowl. Wait until it's offered. And so we shut ourselves off from our own good, right? We shut ourselves off. Now, here's the thing, though. These little owls in growth, these are exactly the things we need to grow. I mean, it's all weird, isn't it? Right? It's exactly what we need. Every wound, every betrayal, every lie, everything that you lived through comes with a gift in its hand. Every yicky moment gives you something to look at, points you to where you're not healed in there. You still, you still have an open wound there. It shows us, right, divine discomfort. It shows us where we need to look. Where am I still holding on to that false belief? Where am I still knowing my inadequacy? Where am I still believing I'm not good enough? Or strong enough, or smart enough, or cute enough, or educated enough, or whatever. Anybody have a not enough? I mean, fill in the blank. There are all kinds of ways we can, you know, not, not enough ourselves. The divine discomfort points right to it. Where we need to look, where we need to change, where we need to grow, what we need to question. And those painful experiences, those hours in growth, they lead us to the place where we have to decide what will be, what will it be? We cannot change what we do not look at. So we get to look at it. The, the ow points us to the owie. <laughs> points us to where, where the hurt is, where the false belief is. The divine discomfort, the betrayal, the lies, the self-sabotage. Sometimes we do it to ourselves, right? It is nobody else. All a sign for us to look. Look there. It hurts there. Look there. See what spirit is urging us to grow beyond. Right? Look in that area. Ernest Holmes, in, in, in words that heal today, he said, man's word is creative, not because we will it or wish it, but because it is the nature of our being. 
because spirit is. Our impulse to create comes from the original creative spirit that is within us and around us and through us. That urge to live creatively comes from the urge of the divine imagination which pushes itself out through us into self-expression. This is our nature. We neither made it nor can we change it. We are compelled to live under its law. We are, we are creative beings, that's it. And when we hold ourselves down and in and small and protected, we're, we're actually going against that force of nature, right? That is calling for us to express, to, to be that bigger thing. When we resist change, when we push it away, I remember Debbie Ford thinking, holding the beach ball underwater, like, how long can you do that? How long do you think you can do that? You know, not really long. When we try to do that, ah, desperately clinging to our own small little life because it's safe, because the unknown is scary, because we don't want to experience any more pain. We don't want any more owls, right? We want to put that there. It limits our experience of life. And, and Henry David Thoreau said, the mass of men, I would say humans, that was a long time ago, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. What is called resignation is confirmed desperation. Right? I mean, who wants to be there? This is not spirit's intention for us to live safe and small in our little, in our little cubbies. We create our own our conditions by making meaning of the things that happened to us from the past. This happened, this means that. And then we stick to those decisions to keep ourselves safe. But it doesn't really keep us safe. It just keeps us small and scared and doubting and limited and lonely. The owls in our experience are there to awaken us, to point to the place, to look there, to look where we're stagnant, to look where we've made a foregone conclusion and we can't violate it ever and ever and ever. It's our own carved in granite. To look where we refuse to grow, to look where we're stuck, where we, where we know at some level we're greater than this, but too scared to go for it. We cling to the known because the unknown is too frightening. What if it's worse? What if it's worse than what I have now? My dears, what if it's better than you've ever imagined? Ernest Holmes said, we are accustomed to big and little, good and bad, up and down, over and across, right and wrong, sin and salvation, that it is difficult for us to believe this. You and I believe there is nothing but God, yes? There isn't anything else. God is the snail out there. This does not in any way lessen God but it glorifies the snail. We are each an incarnation of a divinity, and against each presses the insistent urge that we will not let anyone alone, because it is there, it is life, and it is more life. Grow, grow. Grow through that divine discomfort. Take it and do what its intention is. Point us where we need to heal. And then the growing is natural. Thank you.